Good evening and welcome to the December 2019 edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Happy holidays. A longtime challenge for LGBTQ senior citizens is finding housing that allows one to age in place while feeling safe and continuing to be out as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Here in Sonoma County, the Fountain Grove Lodge made history when it opened its doors as one of the first LGBTQ-specific assisted living communities. Next month, developers will break ground on a similar project in Palm Springs, and we'll talk with a couple of those people leading the project. And in the second half of our hour, we'll share moments from the ceremony held this month at the National Cathedral, dedicating a plaque to mark the space where Matthew Shepard was finally laid to rest one year ago. You'll hear remarks from Bishop Gene Robinson and Matthew's mother and my good friend, Judy Shepard. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, December 22nd, 2019. This is Greg Morali with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of December 22nd, 2019. Just in time for the holiday season, Hallmark got in trouble after reacting to religious conservative complaints about four Zolo.com commercials showing weddings with same-sex couples. But Mike Perry, the president and CEO of Hallmark Cards Incorporated, released a statement last Sunday apologizing over the Hallmark Channel's decision to pull the commercials. He said, We will change course again and air the commercials as they did initially. Perry wrote in his statement, quote, The Crown Media team has been agonizing over the decision as we've seen it, the hurt it has unintentionally caused. And he added, They believe it was the wrong decision. LGBTQ Nation reported last weekend that Crown Media caved to the hate group-backed conservative organization One Million Moms and decided to stop airing four of the commercials featuring two women in a relationship. One Million Moms blasted and promised to boycott the network because the commercials, quote, go against Christian and conservative values that are important to the primary audience, end quote. The commercials were several different versions of multiple scenes where couples were at their wedding and pondered out loud about how to make their wedding experience better if they used Zola. One of the scenes and at least one of those commercials focused exclusively on a lesbian couple at the altar where they share a kiss. Although the other scenes focused on straight couples who kissed as well, the commercials focused on these couples were allowed to air after the network's decision. After Hallmark Channel told Zola that they are not allowed to accept creatives that are deemed controversial, their representative made it known that they would not advertise with the network anymore. But now Hallmark will be reaching out to Zola to establish a new partnership and to reinstate the commercials. And speaking of weddings, the Hilton Hotel in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, will host the destination wedding and reception of Josh Reimer, the gay travel blogger and winner of the Mr. Gay Canada 2019 for free after rival hotel Sheraton Resorts and Convention Center turned Reimer away because it doesn't, quote, specialize in same-sex marriages. Reimer has accepted the Hilton's offer to host his April 2020 wedding, and he's also accepted an offer of a free honeymoon cruise to Lisbon, Portugal. And here locally, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, a nonprofit public interest firm based in San Francisco, has chosen a new executive director after a lengthy search. According to the Bay Area Reporter, Imani Rupert Gordon, 40 years old, was selected to be the new executive director effective this coming March. She will succeed Cindy Myers, who was serving as an interim director following the departure of Kate Kendall back in 2018. 
When Rupert Gordon takes the helm of the center next year, African Americans will be leading two of the country's largest LGBT advocacy organizations. Last August, Alfonso David became president of the Human Rights Campaign based in Washington, D.C. Kate Kendall said in a press release that she's known Rupert Gordon for years and that she is, quote, quite literally perfect for the job, end quote. Browbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. One of the challenge of aging LGBT people, especially for those who live alone, is finding a safe retirement community that allows one to age in place. For many LGBT people, this means going back into the closet in order to feel safe in an assisted living facility. Next month, Living Out will break ground on a new retirement community that will offer LGBTQ plus people in Palm Springs a supportive and inclusive environment that will enable someone to age in place, free from fears of rejection or homophobia. With us tonight to share more is Lauren Ostrow and Luann Boylan. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Great having you, and it's really exciting to hear and learn more about this uh, senior housing project that you've got planned. Before we get to that, though, uh, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and uh, some history with Living Out. So this is Lauren. I um, have been a real estate attorney since 1977 uh, and became a real estate developer in the mid-80s with a company that I was a partner of that built hotels, office buildings, uh, condominium projects, and then got into the casino business and built casinos and operated casinos mostly in the south oh wow so you've done a lot of different things yes we've done a lot my partner paul alanis and i have done over three billion dollars worth of real estate development in in various industries um and we sold our most recent casino in shreveport louisiana at the beginning of this year and this is an idea that I've been talking about for 30 years or so, uh, knowing that something was going to happen with the demographics of the aging LGBT community and that we weren't going to be ready for it. Um, and so Paul, when we were selling the casino, said to me, Lauren, I think it's time for us to do this project. So that that's how we started it. I've also been on the board of the Los Angeles LGBT Center uh, from 1993 till about 99, and then I came back on in 2005 and have been on since. I've served during the, both of those two tenures, nine years as its co-chair. Um, and I also was on the board of the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force for nine years and served as its co-chair for two years. Wow. So you're pretty well connected to the community, clearly. Uh, Luann, yes. how about you? Um, my background is marketing and sales. I um, was vice president of a major corporation with uh, about 2,700 employees and over a billion dollars worth of revenue responsibility. I, re- I, I left there and started a consulting firm and then bought a business that was involved in the advertising world um, and was uh owning and running that business. Lauren and I have known each other for 27 plus years. Um, Like Lauren, I serve on the board of directors of the Los Angeles LGBT Center and uh, have done so for uh, 27 years. 
spent a chunk of those years also chairing or co-chairing the board, and Lauren and I co-chaired together for a period of time. So uh, I, like him, have been involved in the community for a substantial amount of time. Wow. So you're going to bring a lot to this project for sure. And and with as much involvement as you have had watching it uh, evolve over the years, did it surprise you that there was nothing in Palm Springs ready for aging LGBT seniors? It didn't really surprise me because, as, as I said, I, I think people weren't focused on it, particularly in a place like Palm Springs, where there's a great sense of comfort because it's a very supportive community. It's it's a majority LGBT community. So I think people just thought, well, this is a great place to live and I can age here and I can stay in my house and, and um, you know, I don't need anything more. Mm-hmm. But I think that the reality is that as people age, notwithstanding the fact that they're in a supportive community, they're still in their own home and ultimately, you know, that's, that's going to be a situation that's not necessarily tenable for them. Right. And so I think it, people just haven't had their eye on the ball, frankly, in, in the community. Yeah, well, we, we know that up here in Sonoma County. Uh, fortunately, we were one of the first to have an LGBT-focused, specific assisted living, live and age in place facility uh, at Fountain Grove Lodge. Um, I think that's... Right. Tr- Lu- yeah, you know Lu- about that. Luann and I have been both been to visit Fountain Grove Lodge. It's yeah. a it's a beautiful facility. It's different from ours in that it is assisted living, and ours is for uh, active seniors. But it is a absolutely focused on the LGBTQ community and uh, and a beautiful facility. Yeah, I, I often describe it as a cruise ship on land. <laughs> That, that would be a pretty good description for us as yeah. well. Yeah. So, so talk about your project. I mean, it sounds like you're going to do a lot more than just assisted living and sort of those final stages all the way through memory care. Tell us about the scope of the project and what it's going to look like. Well, in fact, Greg, we are not doing assisted living and memory care. Mm. Um, Fount- Fountain Grove is a CCRC, and that's a continuing uh, continuum of care. Uh, where somebody perhaps starts with independent living and then moves into assisted and then moves into memory care. Okay. Uh, when I was when I was looking to do this, I had thought about doing a CCRC, but I have learned over the years that people are much more interested now in aging in place. That they're not as interested in moving from um, independent living to assisted living with even within the same facility. So. When, when I decided how I was going to address the need, we decided to do a independent living facility, totally independent, for 55 and older seniors um, and address it to the LGBTQ community, but provide uh, references for home care so that people could stay in their units longer uh, or, or in, their, in their homes longer and still be within the same environment. Interesting. So obviously Palm Springs has a huge LGBT population now, and you mentioned earlier that people are living in their own homes, maybe by themselves or with a partner. So what would be the difference between the community you envision and are building and just living out on your own in the community? 
So uh, I'll give you a story of someone in a focus group that we met in, in Palm Springs who lives in a community in Palm Springs where the people have their individual homes, and they, but they know each other. And once a month they have a gathering in someone's home for like a wine and cheese event on, on Friday evenings. Mm-hmm. And the fellow said, you know, I love it here, but my husband just passed away. Mm. Um, I see people once a month, you know, when I go to the wine and cheese, but I'm really lonely here. Uh, now because I'm in my own home and unless people make an effort to come to me or I make an effort to go out, I don't really have as much interaction as I'd like to have with the community. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we envision is creating that community for people where they will live in living out and they can just walk out their door and there will be a whole stream of opportunities for them to interact with people who are like-minded and and respectful of them. Mm-hmm. So are these going to be townhomes, condos, houses? They're, they're, it's it's a condominium project. It <clears throat> it's one level. Uh, it's one building. Uh, that's a three-level building with three different wings, and we designed it so that every uh, condominium unit would have. A wonderful view of of one of the mountains surrounding Palm Springs, mm. um, and so it will be one building, but we'll have a vast array of amenities within the building. There'll be a restaurant, there'll be a bar that we see as a we'll have a piano, and will be essentially a community gathering place every evening. There'll be a really nice gym. There'll be a movie theater. There'll be a lounge where people can come and have coffee, kind of like a Starbucks lounge where they can come and have coffee during the day and interact, and that will face out to the resort pool. On the outside, there'll be a resort pool, a larger pool, uh, and then there'll be an activities area that will consist of a a lap pool for, for exercise. There'll be pickleball courts. There'll be bocce ball courts. There'll be walking trails. Um, putting green, putting green, mm-hmm. pet park. Yeah, we we knew that that the LGBTQ community, you know, has pets to a much larger extent than the general community. Right. And so we we built a pet park, and then there's a building next to it uh, that will have house a pet store, a pet hotel, overnight hotel, a pet daycare facility, pet grooming. So it will all be there at your fingertips very unique yeah sounds really sounds sounds really exciting i was just going to mention greg that um that some of the comments that i'm getting from people who are expressing interest in being a part of living out is that they see it as an opportunity to have all the privacy that they want in in that they're they have their own home and it is their home but that they also then see it as a place where they can walk out the door, immediately be a part of a community that they feel comfortable in, um, and that the level of amenities and services that we're providing are such that they can pretty much stay on property if they don't want to leave. But the flip side of it is that we're within walking distance of downtown Palm Springs. So it's kind of, 
everything that fits together in one place, allowing uh, allowing people to create community, be a part of co- of a community, and hopefully escape some of the isolationism that happens uh, as people age, and in particular in our in in, in our community because so many of the seniors in our community community have either been estranged from families or don't don't have children they don't have the same traditional support system that our straight allies have right and, and in the design of the of the condominium units greg we really wanted to make it a home a lot of a lot of retirement communities have fairly small living units even fountain grove uh, right. are fairly small our one bedrooms are going to be 1,300 square feet. Oh, wow. They're, they're very significant size. They have big, big balconies, beautiful balconies um, that are usable, not just to put a, you know, a little chair on, but they're, they're quite usable. And the two-bedroom units are over 1,550 square feet. Um, and they'll be very well appointed. They'll be lovely. And, and so it will feel like a home within this special community. So one and two bedroom units, uh, that's those are substantial sizes. And so it sounds very different than Fountain Grove in that people are actually going to purchase these. They'll own the unit as opposed to renting. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. And, and unlike Fountain Grove where they will, you know, could if they needed assistance, they would have to move to the assisted uh, living wing, I believe. You know, if people need assistance, what we intend to do is to introduce them to home care companies within the Palm Springs desert community that are culturally competent in both HIV and LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about this concept of aging in place. Uh, you've mentioned, you know, sort of how this facility is going to accommodate that, but what, is, what does that really look like for someone? Well, when they move in there, assuming they're very active and they're able to take advantage of the swimming pool and the, and the activity center, and as they age, they may be less mobile. Uh, they may be, in fact, a little more isolated, even, even within our community. Mm-hmm. Um, they may need help with their medication. Um, and so they will hire a home care company to provide those those support structures. So somebody will come in from this home care company and help them take their medicine, make sure that they take the medicine that they need to take. And yet they will still be in living out and they'll still have the ability to go down, even, even if they're not as mobile, they'll have the ability to go down to the bar and sit with their friends. Mm-hmm. Rather than be in a different wing, uh, with where they make a whole new have to make a whole new set of relationships. Nice. Well, I mean, obviously, this requires some planning on individual uh, people's parts for what they want to do, and uh, you know, it certainly isn't going to be less expensive than where people are living now. But retirement planning in terms of housing, probably looks a little bit different for LGBT folks as opposed to straight folks who are potentially more often coupled, I guess. Uh, talk about that. What should, be, what should people be thinking about now for living uh, accommodations as they get older? 
I think uh, I think all of us, as we approach uh, the whole idea of senior living, I think all of us have to obviously have a good sense of what our finances are, what are we capable of doing, where's our comfort level in terms of what we feel we can uh, invest in our own uh, senior living scenarios. I think the whole sense of community, the idea of of finding a place where I can actually envision myself growing older. I mean, one of the advantages of living out is that they are one level units. They're large, they're open. Um, uh, they really take advantage of the whole Palm Springs scenario of the, the indoor outdoor living. Uh, but there is this sense of community around you because you're surrounded by people who are of like mind. You don't have to be concerned about um, gosh, if I have to have a healthcare person come in, do I hide all my photographs? Um, do I pretend, uh, do I pretend about who my relationship is with? I mean, it, you know, in terms of planning, thinking about the kinds of things that would create comfort for you, um, that would make you feel whole and authentic. Uh, our generation, my generation, um, is the generation that came out. And um, we paid prices for that, but we also celebrate that as part of our accomplishments. So as, as my generation looks towards senior living, I think one of the things we should all be, be considering is, um, don't I have the right to continue to live my life authentically? Shouldn't I be looking for a place that celebrates that, that was built because of who I am, not in spite of who I am? Yeah, I really love that. Um, and I do think that it's long overdue. Uh, and I applaud you for, for taking some action on it. And Palm Springs is a great place to start. Uh, talk to the communities out there. I mean, I, you mentioned this at the beginning. I think we're really underprepared as a society in general to support uh, seniors as they age. And this idea of aging in place certainly makes a lot more sense. It's a lot more attractive than trying to you know, force people out of their homes into convalescent or assisted living situations. What should communities be doing now uh, to catch up? Um, well, I, I think part of, is, part of it is educational. I think people need to become, communities need to become more aware of what their demographics are and what the needs of those demographics are. I, I think there's a you know there's an awful lot of information available to people now about what's happening for the senior communities and what they're needing and expecting. I think people are living longer. They're living active lives uh, for much longer than generations before us did. Um, when you talk to people who are 55 or 65 or even 75 and 80. Um, many of them are pretty articulate about the fact that they're not done. You know, they're not, they're not considering themselves on the downhill slope. They're considering themselves in a, at a different point in their lives with, with needs and wants and uh, requirements that have shifted a little, but they still want to be active. They still want to be productive. Um, they want to socialize. They want to have a sense of community. So I think as communities are envisioning what's next for the people who live in their community uh, who are aging, they, 
they first need to test the pulse of what people are asking for and needing. And then I think, you know, from a marketing point of view, you create product that matches the need of the people who are interested in buying. So, yeah. I, and I agree with that, that, you know, the communities, particularly as it relates to the uh, charitable organizations in our community are, are doing something about this now. You know, the Los Angeles LGBT Center just opened the Anita May Rosenstein campus. That's right, yeah. Which, which has a, uh, a significant senior housing component to it and senior um, services. Uh, SAGE has done it in, in New York, I believe, in two projects. Um, so there's a lot of affordable housing concepts being developed around the country by the LGBT community. But for those people who don't qualify for affordable housing, I think it's the private uh, development community that needs to really see the opportunity and do what I'm doing. Um, I've been asked, am I worried about competition? You know, and because I intend to do this around the country. And I am I worried about competition? And I always say, no, I would be thrilled because our community is a is a pretty vast community and there's a lot of need. And and yet nobody is really doing it. Right. Um, I saw one in Boston that is is opening sooner. It, it's an old um, school that's being converted uh, to a, a LGBT focused uh, senior housing. And it has an affordable component and I think it has a non affordable component. But those opportunities are very, very limited for people who have the resources to not qualify for affordable housing. Right. So talk about where exactly, for people who know Palm Springs, where is this development going to be? It's on Tokwitz uh, Canyon Road, um, which is the main uh, drag from downtown Palm Springs to the airport. And we are, I'd say, halfway, uh, be we're, we're probably six blocks from downtown and maybe 10 blocks from the airport. From the airport. Um, it's, it's pretty walkable to downtown. Um, it's walkable to, uh, the area where most of the gay bars and, and stores are. Um, and so it's very immersed in Palm Springs, which is another thing that I wanted to make sure that we did, you know, Fountain Grove, as I, as we've discussed is beautiful, but it's, it's in a way disconnected from the broader LGBTQ community um, because there's not a large active community in Santa Rosa. Um, and I wanted people to still feel connected to their community, even while they're living in our community. Right. And, and so I see development in places like Palm Springs where that community is right there and in other places in, in the country, when I do this, it will be close, if not within uh, the LGBTQ community awesome. of those of those cities. Awesome. Well, so what's the timeline for the project? We go in the ground in January. Uh, we, it's an 18 month building process, which we're hoping we can shorten, but we're not, we obviously want to do it correctly. 
So we're told by the contractor that it's 18 months and we should be available for occupancy in June or July of 2021. Awesome. And people that are interested uh, now, where can they go to learn a little bit more? Um, They should go to the website, livingout.com. Um, there's a lot of information on the site that talks about the living out experience and also shows floor plans. Uh, there's a couple of different places on the site where they can uh, leave their email and we'll get back to them and provide them with what other additional information that they want. Terrific. And if you missed that website, we'll have it on our own website at outbeatnews.com. You can just click on show notes at the top of the page and explore what is going to be a fantastic uh, community in Palm Springs. Lauren and Luann, thanks so much for sharing this exciting news uh, with us, and we will look forward to visiting sometime down there after the project is complete. We'll love to have you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News In-Depth here on KRCBFM Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, last December, Matthew Shepard, the young gay man who was murdered in a vicious hate crime back in 1998 in Laramie, Wyoming, was finally laid to rest at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., Matthew's final resting place took two decades to locate because his family feared that he would be further victimized at his gravesite by the same hate that took his life. A year ago, he was laid to rest in the same room at the National Cathedral where Helen Keller is buried. And this month on December 2nd, Matthew's birthday, a plaque was dedicated and installed at the cathedral, creating a space where people can come to contemplate and remember Matthew Shepard. It was a really emotional ceremony, but filled with examples and messages of hope. I'd like to share some of those moments with you tonight. The Washington, D.C. Gay Men's Chorus performed, and then a young soloist named Brennan Connell stepped up to the mic. There are ways in which my world is very different from that of Matthew Shepard. I I was comfortable coming out since a very early age, and I've always had the resources and community support needed to help guide me in an environment that is inherently straight. And there are parts of my world that Matthew would recognize, um, a world that is plagued by discrimination and hate and a place that prevents young people from achieving their true potential. However, my heart is brightened by the people who fought before me, activists like Harvey Milk and accidental heroes like Matthew Shepard. I can see farther because I ride on their shoulders and my journey is longer because I have them to guide me.
when troubles come and my heart couldn't be, then I am still and waiting in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I'm on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. Bishop Gene Robinson, the first openly gay man to be ordained a bishop in the Episcopal Church, delivered the homily at the internment ceremony last year, and he spoke again at this ceremony. You're back. (laughs) I'm so glad. For about 20 years, my partner and I attended a Seder meal every, every Passover, at friends of ours near Boston, a gay couple. 
And they would uh, come up with a new invitation to that event every year, but one year was remarkable. It was a very sparsely drawn, almost cartoon, of a couple of people sitting around a dinner table, and behind them was a, a large painting. It just didn't have a lot in it. It had a mountain or two. And it appeared to be a desert. There was a palm tree or two. And right through the middle of it was a, a winding road that came out of the frame of the picture and right across the table and became their tablecloth. Jews remember the Exodus and they eat food to remind them of different parts of that story and they have different readings and they remember it in a very special way so that it becomes their event. It just spills right out onto your table. It's, it's the event of the people at that table 3,000 years later. Christians do a similar thing in communion. We remember the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we recall his life and ministry, his death and resurrection in such a dramatic way, we pull it right into the present. And it affects our lives right now. Now, in that service, we say, do this in remembrance of me. And the Greek word for, that we translate in remembrance of, is the word anamnesis. The A-N in the beginning is, means the opposite of, like anti, right? And amnesis is the same root that we get amnesia out of. So it's against forgetting or do this in remembrance of me. It's a very particular kind of remembering. And tonight, as we turn away from Matthew and toward the future, I would like to suggest to you it's that kind of remembering that will honor Matthew. When you go and sit near this plaque down in the St. Joseph Chapel, recall that event make it your own, pull it right into the present. Because if you're only remembering something that happened 21 years ago, it's just not enough. So pull it into the present moment and let it challenge you, let it infuriate you, let it scare you, let it motivate you, because there's so much yet to be done. Now, most of us here live in this great big LGBTQ bubble known as Washington, D.C. 
and there are lots of other bubbles around. And it's easy to forget the struggle that we've been through. And there's nothing wrong with just being so joyous in terms of the progress we've made. Who would have thunk that the Washington National Cathedral would welcome Matthew's ashes here? Matthew stands in for all of us. This, this great cathedral stands in for the church or synagogue or mosque that probably hurt you not too long ago. So pull Matthew's event into your life and let it do its work on you. Because if you leave it 21 years ago, it's not enough. What have you learned in the last 20 or 30 or 40 years? Or for some of you, five or 10 years? What have you learned? Well, if, if you are LGBTQ, and you're not concerned about people of color, and immigrants, and women, and people who are differently abled, and all kinds of marginalized groups, and how they're being treated right now, then you haven't been paying attention. Right? My guess is, you already heard from the Laramie Project folks, that Matthew was a political person. My guess is if that he were still alive, he would be involved with everything from Black Lives Matter to you name it. He'd be on the border demonstrating or something. We ought to be too. We ought to be too. Because being gay or lesbian, bisexual, transgender or queer is our tiniest little window into what it is like to be a person of color, to be in a wheelchair, to be undocumented and scared to death. No, it's not the same, but it's, it's a little window that we can see all of those other marginalized people. people. And if you do nothing else from visiting Matthew downstairs and this plaque, for God's sake, recommit yourself to listening to the stories of those people. That would honor Matthew. It's just, it's just not enough. As the old saying goes, it's just not enough to pull those who are drowning from a raging stream you have to walk back upstream and figure out who's throwing them in in the first place. That's the work we need to do, the systemic work that punishes day after day, relentlessly, those marginalized people. And we know something about that. We don't know all of it, but we know some of it.
It's a special kind of remembering. When you go down to that chapel and you sit there, pull that event right into the present so it becomes your event. Let it challenge you and frighten you. Let it motivate you. For God's sake, for God's sake, vote. I got that in, Dennis. <laughs> we who have been pulled into the lifeboat cannot then not care about those who are still drowning. And so the greatest tribute going forward from this moment is to use this moment, to use this tragic event to send us hurtling into the future to make a just world for all. I think it's what Matt would have wanted of us. We owe it to him and we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to one another. This kind of remembering is holy. So you might want to take your shoes off because down in that chapel, it's holy ground. It's because of Matt and this work that this young man can stand and sing like an angel. Thank you for that. And there are, there are a lot of Matthews out there in the world still who live in places that do not honor them. There are places in this country where it's not all that different than it was 20 years ago. But I've got good news. I know how this all ends. You want to know? This ends with the full inclusion of gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and queer people in the life of the church, the synagogue, and the mosque, and in the life of this country. It is the full inclusion. It is real respect. That great theologian, Aretha Franklin, got it right. It's R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> that's how it's going to end. The only thing that's up in the air is how soon. And that's where you come in. Will you move this forward so that no one ever has to experience this again? We need you. Remember. And then get to work. Amen.
Since Matthew's death, Matthew's mother, Judy Shepherd, has been speaking out all over the world, not only sharing Matt's story, but promoting equality and justice for LGBTQ people. She's quite a hero. And during this ceremony, she spoke about now being the time to move forward. Hello, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Judy Shepherd. Thank you for coming tonight. It means so much to Dennis and I. <clears throat> My role tonight is to um, try to explain the beginnings of the plaque. It was uh, not long after we lost Matt that a dear friend of ours, John, um, was visiting down below and saw Helen Keller's plaque and felt, wouldn't that be just wonderful if we could do that for Matt? We discussed it among ourselves, a bunch of friends around a dinner table one night by the day after Matt's services, and we all agreed it would be amazing, but not really sure that we could pull this off in the National Cathedral, because it is the National Cathedral. So we talked about it, talked about it, and then John came back a little while later, and there was a piece of paper on the columbarium, on the, in front of the crypt area, which was exactly what we had in mind for the plaque to start with. This is a good beginning. This is a good beginning. Perhaps we can really do this. So I don't think this microphone likes me very much. Um, so, uh, so we had a piece of paper downstairs in the St. Joe's uh, Chapel, and John and another friend, Bob, and uh, we thought, well, we'll just we'll check with the church, see if this is possible, if we can raise enough money to make this happen in a way to honor Matt that would be unique for folks who wanted to come see Matt. Because up until now, there was nowhere where folks could go to commune with Matt. There was nowhere to meditate, nowhere to contemplate or commune with Matt. There was nowhere safe enough for him to be. <clears throat> so, we, <clears throat> so they started the GoFundMe. Um, three weeks later, with the blessings of the church, we had enough money to make this happen. Three weeks, y'all, three weeks. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And we couldn't have done it without you. So our deepest gratitude goes out to all of you in the watching audience or here with us tonight for making this possible. Um, the plaque will be installed tomorrow uh, downstairs opposite the Helen Keller plaque. It is also uh, embossed with Braille, as is Helen Keller's. We felt that was really important because this really is about equality. If one was downstairs visiting Helen Keller, they should be able to also visit Matt. So this was really, really important to us. And as Bishop Robinson said, this is the day we're going to move forward now, away from the event of 20 years ago. I'm telling you, this is not how away from the event 20 years ago and into the future. This is what we want. This is what we need. We need to move forward. There is so much to do. We have the need. We have the desire. We're organized. We know how to do this. We need to do this for Matt. This is what he would want. We need to, we need to stop reflecting on what happened to Matt. We don't need to stop trying to stop it from happening again. But Matt's story should now be, how are we going to carry this forward? How are we going to carry what happened to Matt and so many other individuals based on their sexuality or their race or their religion? This is just not what America is supposed to be. 
So let's take Matt's story forward into the world and make things better and safer for everyone. In the upcoming years, this will be about Matt, yes, but it'll be about all of the civil rights and the progress we've made for all the marginalized communities. Thank you for coming tonight. dedicate this plaque, I invite all who are able to stand. God, our creator, in loving care, your hand has created us. And as the potter fashions the clay, you have formed us in your image. Through the Holy Spirit, you have breathed into us the gift of life. In the sharing of love, you have enriched our knowledge of you and of one another. We claim your love today as we remember the life of Matthew Wayne Shepherd, his family his, and his friends, his accomplishments, and his faith in Jesus, your son. May this memorial, placed in his honor, be a constant reminder of his life for all who visit this sacred place. Peace be with him and all who give thanksgiving for his life. Amen. Amen. Mary Lambert sat down at a piano next and did a beautiful live performance of her song, She Keeps Me Warm. Well, I haven't been crying or anything. This is just a, such a blessing. It's so healing for, uh, I, I grew up Pentecostal, which is like super fun. You haven't seen a six-year-old writhing around on the floor speaking in tongues. You haven't lived. Or that's daycare, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just really honored to be here, and um, I thank everybody who's spoken, and I don't even know if I'm going to sing. <laughs> I smell like safety and home I named both of her eyes forever and please don't go I could be a morning sunrise all the time all the time yeah this could be good this could be good can't change even if I tried even if I wanted to I can't change even if I tried even if I wanted to My love, my love, my love 
name Do you hate your job? Do you fall in love too easily? What's your favorite word? Do you like kissing girls? Can I call you baby? Cause we look so good together Yeah, yeah, yeah And I can't change Even if I tried Even if I wanted to of our hour and our last show for 2019. My personal thanks to our amazing news partners at LGBTQ Nation, The Advocate, and Bay Area Reporter. I'll be back next Sunday for a special Outbeat Extra and our last segment of Outbeat Radio's celebration of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall with special guest and acclaimed author Eric Marcus of Making Gay History. Join us at 8 p.m. here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. In the meantime, I wish you a peaceful holiday and the very best for the coming year. Have a great holiday week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our programs are available for on-demand play on our website at OutbeatNews.com and on iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all month long. I'd love to change the world, but I don't know what to do. So I give it Broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out. Move mountains, we gon' walk it out and move mountains. Silence is in quiet.
And it feels like it's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like dying But I promise we would take the world to its feet Move I won't dance Bring it to its feet Thousand times. 